What's up, guys? Really, really excited for the very first ever episode of my podcast, Not Your Mother's Podcast. I've been on a couple podcasts, I've been watching a lot of podcasts, and I thought, why don't I do it myself? So here we are, here you are. Thank you so much. I'm super grateful that you're here and that you've taken the time to check this out. To intro today's podcast, it's going to be me and my mom talking about religion, cults, and specifically the cult that we uh, came out of. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm not going to have a super boring long intro, but I am going to let you know I'm super, super thankful that you're here. Very happy to have you along. Hope you come back for more. I will definitely be putting out more podcasts, so please stay tuned. Um, That's pretty much it. This is the very first episode of Not Your Mother's Podcast. My name's Stuart. This is my mother, Katie. And this is the Not Your Mother's Podcast. I would like to say it's brought to you either by Jameson or Wild Turkey, but it's not. In a way, it is. Because I'm enjoying one and the other in different ways. But um, I thought it would be fun and a little bit ironic for maybe the first or at least one of my podcasts uh, to have my mother on it because it's called Not Your Mother's Podcast uh, because of the explicit nature um, and us being able to curse and whatnot. So um, it's been my family and my mother especially have been on a pretty incredible journey when it comes to um, getting out of the religion and uh, we would call it a cult. Not all people would and certainly not a lot of people that might see this podcast but the religious organization that we were a part of, it's been quite a journey getting out of it. It's not Scientology, it's not something mainstream like Mormonism like you would have heard of or um, Jehovah's Witnesses, anything like that, but it has a lot of similar attributes. And so um, she, if I remember right, my mother actually began her journey before I did, um, or at a very close time to when I began mine. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, her journey, what she's gone through, and um, what she experienced inside of the cult um, that we were in. It's called Independent Fundamental Baptist. And I don't intend for this podcast to solely revolve around that, but we will be talking about that. She's actually done some work, um, and I'll link it up if if I'm able in a description. Uh, She's done some work with um, helping survivors uh, of abuse, uh, whether it be physical, sexual, or even just emotional inside of a cult-like setting or the very cult that we came from. But I'm hogging the podcast, <laughs> so let me uh, have you just talk a little bit about that and um, maybe maybe give us a little bit of um, whatever you want to say, but a little bit of background as far as um, maybe the origins uh, of getting out or even before that. Okay, so... Um... I got in really because my family leaned, I mean, my parents leaned towards um, kind of strict religious backgrounds when we were younger. Uh, and then my older sister was, had followed my mother into, and then my she pulled me into it. And so I ended up in um, a branch of the Independent Fundamental Baptist, we call it a cult. Um, in in the Hammond, Indiana area, and uh, went through their high school, went through their college, uh, and I actually lived in a foster home, not a state-sanctioned foster home, but with a family. The um, husband and wife both taught at the college, 
sponsored by the church in Hammond. And um, while I was living with them from the age of 16, probably to the, the middle of the next year when I turned 17, um, where the father of that family was molesting me. Um, I finally realized that nobody was going to believe me if I told them. And if it got found out, I would be the one out on the street, not him. And Which I want to stop really quick and say, I don't know that every single cult operates that way. But it seems to me, especially in the one that we were a part of, it's extremely sexist. And it really doesn't matter who was in the wrong, uh, because there are times where it's simply adultery, where a man is, is engaged in an affair with a woman that is of age, it's still her fault. Even when Correct. it's even when it's Correct. consensual, and I'm not saying that, that an affair is ever okay. It's happened to me. It wasn't fun, but um, uh, it's it's mind-boggling that every time that happens, whether it's uh, an adult man with a teenage girl, or or even younger, or an, an adult man with an adult woman, it's always, always the, the woman's fault. fault. Yes, always. And it, because and the men are the leaders, and leaders are never wrong. And in that cult. Um, leaders are men of God. There are really not any women of God. <laughs> no, and I remember because if, it's always the men. If you um, if you were a part of that cult, you'd actually hear it's ironic that you'll hear preachers preach against preachers. Um, and I get that there's charlatans out there. I'm not saying they're not. One of my favorites is Joel Osteen and a lot of people have problems with him as they should, but I like listening to him. At any rate, um, Joel, uh, not Joel Osteen, Joyce Myers was preached against quite often. Yes. Because, be, just because, I'm not saying she's right or wrong. Women don't preach. Women don't have But just because roles. she's a woman. That's it. Right, right. Anyways, I just wanted to interject yeah. with that. So, um, I finally, I told my older sister, who said, well, um, yeah, you can't really tell anybody, and you certainly can't tell the pastor, because if you tell the pastor, he is definitely going to believe that man and not you. And uh, I didn't know it then, but in my journey of coming out, I've run into a lot of young women and women my age who went through very similar situations. And when, that, when they told, they were, as Stuart said, blamed. And disciplined. And, and disciplined and made to confess their sin in front of the church. And then they were shipped off to girls' homes. That or in were some run. cases, you get shunned. Well, you would get shunned, yes, but... But I'm particularly grateful yeah. that I did not get shipped off yeah. to a home, which is basically what they would call a reformatory, um, a, a school and a home where girl, bad girls get sent so that they can um, teach you how to be good, submissive wives and right. mothers, because that's all women in this cult are supposed to ever really do. You and, make booty um, babies. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, that's it. Yeah, so I didn't... Um, I was, I'm thankful from this perspective that that did not happen to me, which it probably most certainly would have, given that here I was in this foster situation and going back home to my real parents was not an option. So that would have been a very viable option for them to um, get rid of the problem and get me to shut up. So I eventually told his wife. And um, that and I got blamed. Yeah. You know, the wife yeah. didn't directly blame me. She she did listen and she did care enough to confront her husband. And once she confronted him, then he came and grabbed me by my ear and 
and drug me up to their bedroom where they were having this confrontation and, and hollered at me all the way. You're trying to ruin my marriage and my ministry. You know, because yeah. this is all about him. Mm-hmm. You know, this well, is about very, what he's doing to this child's life. You that's know? very typical of um, that type of leadership where it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it doesn't have, it doesn't have to do with you. It has to do with him. It's all, it's all about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And everybody else is expendable. Yeah. You know? And another big thing that I've come to realize about the cult, particularly that branch of it, um, but I think it's, I'm, I'm finding out, I'm meeting, I'm meeting women um, and survivors, male survivors as well, from other branches. Um, there's a school in Springfield, South Carolina, that is a separate branch of this IFB, and um, I have a friend from there uh, that graduated from that branch of the IFB in Greenville, South Carolina, and she went there because she thought she'd be safer there than at Hiles, which is why she chose um, that school. So let me and pause you. Just hold that thought for me. I, just want to exp- I feel like a lot of people that are going to watch this are already going to know, but just to explain, Hiles is Hiles Anderson College, where my mother and I are both alumni, where we both have um, unaccredited degrees, so that's fun. And then a um, something she mentioned uh, a moment ago, we or we've talked about the cult we were in was the Independent Fundamental Baptist, and the short term of that is IFB. So I just want to explain those those terms in case. Sorry. No, it's no, 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 no. It's not a big deal. I just want to make sure that anyone that's watching that might not readily know these things, and I think most of uh, the folks watching this will, but just in case they don't. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Okay. So the friend of mine who chose. Um, the school in Greenville, South Carolina, over the one in Indiana, thought she would be safer there because many of the many of the men who had, or maybe I should say, many of the men that she had been sold to by her pastor, adoptive father, were from or part of the ministry in Hammond. So. But when she got to the school in Greenville, South Carolina, and tried to tell someone what had been happening to her for years, and to get help for that, um, they didn't believe her, and they did to her exactly what would have happened to her, to her had she been at the school in Indiana, and that was to be shunned, and that was to be the outcast, and to be criticized, and um, called a liar, and she's you know just anything to make everybody else believe that what she had to say was a lie. So, but I've come across many, many women, um, many my age, many my children's age, um, and I think for me it's validating oh, yeah. to know, first of all, to know that, that we're not alone, you know, mm-hmm. we're the only ones that live through Absolutely. this. Um, you, you think You think you're just this small little part, you know, and then... When you speak up, you find out that it's so pervasive that it's everywhere. And, and oh, you know, huge. we're basically talking about religious institutions because that's where we came mm-hmm. from. But it's everywhere, um, and it's in every. I think the, to me, the worst thing about it being part of a religious setting. This abuse that we're talking mm-hmm. about. The worst thing about that is the that it's done in the name of God, who is supposed to be loving holy and who you look to for help and so this being that you've looked to for help and that you've looked to for comfort and support and um, delivery has not delivered you has not supported you has not loved you has allowed you to 
suffer all of mm -hmm. this at the hands of these men who claim to be followers and worshipers of this God. And to dovetail with that, the thing that I find um, not, not so much interesting as it is horrific is if you're raised in or come to know Christ or God, your version of God, um, at whatever age, there's a certain, there's a certain, uh, not a stigma, but a, maybe a part of you, especially if you're in this thing from birth, that you, you want desperately to please God and make Him happy. And God, most people's idea of God is that He's all powerful, and um, all knowing, all seeing, and, and, and so and so on. But the thing that is very frightening is that these. Uh, sometimes women, and, and more often than not in our situation, it's been men, wield this power of God over you. And so for you for you to speak up beyond uh, this man's wife um, in the time that she was there is just, you know, like he said, you're going to ruin my ministry. Well, what the hell kind of ministry do you have? Yeah. Like, this is awful. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and what ministry is worth? What the the thing that I that I uh, have trouble with is what, and I understand you know you you sacrifice some to save all. I understand that concept uh, in many ways. But the thing that bugs me when it comes to religion is there's so much power involved and so much uh, you know um, power over people involved that when you're when you're talking about these men in these in these places, you're dealing with people that have almost absolute power over you. They do. They do really have absolute power, especially if you're a child or a woman. Right. Because women and children have no power, literally have mm -hmm. no power. Yeah. Um, and, and that all ties in with, it's crazy, but you, you're trained from birth to freely give that power over to them because you're trained from birth that God loves you and this mm -hmm. is what God wants you to do. And if you want to please that God and you want that God to love you and be pleased with you, you will do what your leaders tell you to do because they represent God. And so they begin at birth stealing that power yep. from women and children. Mm -hmm. um, and the only way to ever really become successful in this cult is to become one of those as a man women i don't i don't know that women it's ever not. really find a place where they feel there are women in the cult that are promoted they have women's conferences and they're women yeah but you have to be upper echelon you're happy your pastor yes. has to be the pastor of a somewhat and mega and church really connected right when i first started came out of this and started looking at the whole thing from the outside i still believe this way to the depths of my soul this whole thing is really not about religion. It's a multi-level marketing it's system. It's an MLM. And it's just completely, you know, and if you want to reach the upper echelon, if you want to be literally the people that go on cruises, if you yeah, want to be yeah. the people who have the nice cars and the nice homes mm -hmm. and the nice clothes, mm -hmm. um, and more than one home, yeah. as, well, uh, as we have, know, you know, yeah, they always have multiple um, homes. Um, the nice motorcycle, you know, mm -hmm. for the really powerful and that's, and potent I'm, god yeah you know? i don't mean to interrupt although that's what i'm doing the thing that is is ironic is these men want to preach humility and sacrifice but they don't have a problem sporting their new vehicles their new toys um their fancy houses anything now, but humility yeah and now you won't you won't find them doing this for the most part you won't find them doing this on the plat social media platforms because um, most of them are in the age, at the age where they don't even know how that stuff works. But um, the thing that it's just mind-boggling, like they, uh, especially the cult that I grew up in, there's so much humility and love preached, 
but it's just it's not acted out and it's just again by the very people that are preaching it right to me that's that's um i can't think of the right word beyond mind-boggling it's it's counterintuitive it doesn't it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense, and it's you not can't. Helpful. You really can't. You know, if you've never lived underneath that kind of domination and control, it's it is mind-boggling, and you just shake your yeah. head and you go, "Why did you stay?" It's hard to. Yeah. Why, how come? You know that you couldn't see that. That that makes sense to you. So let's talk about that don't. a little bit. Let's talk about that because I think that's that's something that um, cult survivors, and not just cult survivors, people that um, have been in situations where. Oh, I can't think of any extremely other instance. Extremely abusive. Yeah, 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 extremely abusive. Whether it's a marriage or a relationship or what have you, get that. We, I get that often, especially. Well, I mostly get it from people that are still, you know, inside of that cult or still inside of some kind of religious institution mm-hmm. that simulates what I was in. Well, if you didn't like it, then why did you stay so long? Or if you didn't like, I've, I've, because I post things on Facebook that are pretty polarizing, and I've unfriended a lot of people that is very glad I did that, but. I wouldn't say for everyone, but for me, the argument that I get more than any other is, well, if you didn't like it, if you, if it was scary, if you were being abused, and I get this mm-hmm. about uh, my, uh, my now, my, my marriage that's now ended, then why did you stay? Why did you, why did you feel, what, what in the world made you stay? If it was so terrible, why right. did you stay? So I want, I'm going to, I have a lot of things obviously to say about that, <laughs> but I'd like you to talk about that and just that whole how is that? How is it now that, that we're out and that we're getting people saying that to us? You, uh, me and you both understand that that's a ludicrous thing to say to right. someone that's been, whether it's physically, mentally, verbally, physically, uh, sexually abused. It's a ridiculous thing to say to someone that's been through that. And I feel like the majority of the time, the people that are saying that to you and me and others haven't been through what we've mm-hmm. been through or have buried it or just refused to acknowledge right. it. So let's, will you talk to that for a minute and just talk about however you feel about that or whatever you want to say about that that instance of well why did you stay or why didn't you speak up or why didn't you do something if it was so bad or maybe i can talk about it (laughs) it's hard to verbalize because um it really comes down to control and it comes to the level of control that they have over your mind and your body okay so i had um uh, maybe this will encapsulate just a little bit Mm -hmm. um as a young child, and before I left my mother's home at the age of 15, I was a very strong person. I was uh, uh, feisty, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm still pretty feisty. You are. But the, I lost a lot of that. But and and this yeah. is this will show you how it gets taken away from you. So, so in sixth grade, I'm still living with my mother. Um, my life has become very very rough at this point. But I'm in a Christian school and I'm riding a bus to school and. We have assigned seats, and so one day after school, I got in my assigned seat, and um, I forgot something, and I went back to get it, and when I came back, there was a senior high school guy in my seat, and I said, that's my seat, you need to get out of it. He said, just go away, you know, like, you're just the little bug, go away. And I said, if you don't get out of my seat, I'm going to scratch you. And he said, (laughs) you know, like. Right, I'm sure. really scared of you, little girl, you know, so, and I was little, I was really little, I mean, I looked like, probably more like fourth grade than sixth yeah. grade, and so he didn't move, and so I scratched him, and he screamed, and he got out of my seat, <laughs> <It worked laughs> so, out you know, um, 
there was a boy that tried to kiss me once when I was about 13 and I was standing at the top of a staircase and I oh, didn't want I him to do that and story. I smacked him and he fell all the way down the <laughs> stairs and landed at my mother's feet and she just looked at him like, oh, I bet you won't do that again. <laughs> and uh, so when I told my mother just yeah. in recent years, it's been like, it was like three and a half, maybe four years ago that I told my, my, my birth mother, um, who I've been reconnected with and um, what what had happened and who had done it and she said I can't believe you took that because to her I have always been that feisty right. little girl she Fiery. couldn't believe that I didn't slap him in the face mm -hmm. or scratch his eyeballs mm -hmm. out you know and um, well you have to realize that by this point this man had given me what I thought was going to be a safe place yeah. to go when yeah. I left my mother's which was not safe at the time um, he was putting food on my, in my belly and, yeah. and a roof over my head. And he was giving me the opportunity to attend this wonderful, safe Christian school, right. you know, where, um, where the boys don't touch the girls, you know, <laughs> the boys and girls don't hold hands yeah. and they don't kiss, but your foster dad can do whatever he wants. Cause you know, he's a man <laughs> and he's a right. grown up and they're allowed to do whatever yeah, they want, okay. evidently. So because he was providing everything for me and because I had because I had become attached to him as a, as a father figure by that point, you know, it was scared me, but what, what could I do? You know, it took me, it took me months to even tell my sister what was going on. And when I finally told her, she said, Oh, well, you can't tell the pastor. So I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Mm -hmm. You know, where the really, yeah, you're have on the, you're on the street. Go, you know? Yeah. So, um, finally I decided that, that I was going to tell his wife. And if I told his wife, that would fix you know, it. that would fix, that should fix it, you know, because in my mind, if I was the wife, I would make sure that didn't happen again. Right. So, um, and sure enough, it didn't happen again. Mm. I lived in their home probably close to another year and it never happened huh. again. And so then there's the shift and you go, well, well now maybe what? I was the only one, you know, maybe because, because I was still there in the house and he yeah. still had access and. Although I will say they were very careful from that point on that he and I were never in the house alone together, yeah. and he and I were never in the house alone. I don't give a shit about that, but I, I know well, what you mean. the wife went, did that. Yeah, you know, okay. the wife worked at that. I don't know that he would have, but, but the, she did. To she, me, I, I just, you're my mother, so like I have zero tolerance for whatever that was, or for what that was. Right. So for me, like that's all image. That's not even. Well, the thing was, it would be image outside the home. Yeah. But. But that's how it was allowed to occur from the wife's perspective. I know perspective, what you, you mean. Know? So but I this, know exactly you what you're tell saying me that, as well. You can't tell me the siblings had no idea that any of that was. None of them had any idea you that really that was not, You want to talk about siblings? No, I just, I just want to tell you <laughs> this is my yeah, perspective. Yeah. I don't want to get into that necessarily, okay. but I just want to say yeah, image, matter, yes. image matter to his children as well. So that to me, that's so, the same concept. from my vantage point now, I have pretty good reason to believe that his children were involved in it before I ever got there. Which wouldn't surprise so, me. Yeah. So, um, so no, he, it, it stopped. And so, again, that's another reason why you wouldn't tell. Yeah, that's another reason why you wouldn't speak up. Because yeah. in because in my mind, it was just me. And yeah. he quit. And so there's nothing to deal with here. You know, mm -hmm. you know, he repented, which he really didn't. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he never actually admitted it. You know, no. he, he, uh, he just basically said, well, I hugged you, and you thought, yeah. Oh, okay. okay, so, um, 
explicitly me, those were not hugs. <laughs> yeah, let me get back to, and I want you That's to continue fine. on your thought. Let me get back to uh, maybe a little bit of my perspective because I don't have, um, that I know of, and I'm in therapy so that may change, <laughs> but I don't have any knowledge of, of any um, uh, sexual abuse towards me, you know, as a child or as a teenager. So my, um, my perspective on that is as far as when someone asks me, oh, well, then it was so bad. Why did you stay or why didn't you say something? You're, and this is not something I blame you or my father for or anyone for. I'm just saying this is, the, this is what happens. You're conditioned. If you're in this from birth, you're conditioned. You, you go to, to church every Sunday, usually twice, every Wednesday. And if you're very active, you'll go on Saturday and do what Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witnesses call preaching or what we call soul winning. It's basically the annoying people that knock on your door on Saturday morning. You're trying to watch cartoon. a cartoon and have your cereal. And we want to tell you, do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? No, I don't because it's Saturday morning. This is literally the worst time you could knock on my door. Oh, and Thursday nights too. We I was going to say There's Thursday a lot. Night. Sometimes they do weeknights as well. Um, as the teenagers, you know, we took we would take yes. the teenagers out. I took teenagers, yeah. Yes, and um, but our kids, when they got old enough to understand what was going on, because they were the pastor's kids, they went with us to. Oh, yeah. that my kids All have spent them. far more time in nursing homes than. Oh yeah, lots <laughs> the of vast majority of. And I, I honestly, I look back and I, there's things that I wish we hadn't done or, or maybe hadn't been exposed to or whatnot. Those the nursing home visits, I will never. I don't feel any. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I'm I, very I, I happy don't, that we did that because I, I feel like a lot of the people in those nursing homes, well, I know a lot of those people in those nursing homes didn't get visited from from relatives and from from friends either who were passed away or couldn't make it to them. Um, excuse me. And and what we were mostly it was mostly singing. It was children singing. Can you imagine something that anyone in a nursing home would want to see more than that? So I'm. Not to, to say that to right. differ with you, I just feel like if we're going to talk about that, I feel like the nursing homes are, I think, I think I'm very happy. I feel like if I've made, uh, I've done my best to be a good person, but if I've made a contribution contribution to society, that's a good one. Um, at, at any rate, you're conditioned from a young age because mm -hmm. you're in church and you're very involved and you're you're taught from a young age it, the, the perspective that your specific cult or your specific religion has on Whatever holy book you're using, whether it's um, the King James Version of the Bible, whether it's Dianetics, whatever it is, you're getting their perspective on your holy book from from infancy through adulthood. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for someone to tell me, oh, well, you know, if it was that bad, you should have just left a long time ago. I didn't. Here's the truth. I didn't know it was bad. If I knew yeah. it was bad, I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have been involved. I wouldn't have... Um, told people the things that I told people as far as you can't, like I was a youth pastor for two years. So many don'ts. Mm -hmm. This many don'ts and this many do's. Mm -hmm. There's just nothing you're allowed to do. And I don't know who all will see this, and I feel like this is something that needs to be said. The things that I would preach against in, in relation to pop culture, so movies, video games, uh, and music, those are things that I would I was in a parsonage next door to the church. Those are things that I would preach against 50 feet over here, and I would do 50 feet over here. And I don't mean anything criminal. I mean you can't watch new movies. You can't watch right. R-rated movies. You can't play games where you shoot people. I play Call of Duty every day. You can't listen to rock music. I listen to rock music 
while I cleaned the church where I preached against rock music. So I'm not this. I, that can come off braggy. Well, I understand no, that. But, 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 but the thing to realize about that is that in with all of this teaching and all of these things that you've had, you've you've been taught from your youth up comes that double standard. Yeah, the hypocrisy. Know, that, yeah, because nobody's perfect. So you're what you're taught from from them is that you must be perfect, you must be perfect. Yeah. And in order to be perfect, you don't do this, and you don't do this, and you don't do this, and you don't do this. Well, like Seward said, there's like two do's. You go to church, and you tell other people about God. And then outside of that, you just, there's just... There's not much else you're yeah, supposed to and, be doing. Well, and so that makes everything else negative, and so what do you do? So, you know... You, you you become a hypocrite is what you yeah, do you because to. nobody can you can't abide by those standards no. and then and then that nobody carries does. that yeah. carries with it um, the, guilt. the guilt the shame of you've been doing you'll, you you've been doing wrong all week or all day and then you go to church and you do right for two hours then you go back home and you feel guilty about all the the wrong that you've done and that's just ridiculous at any rate I'm I'm getting off course I think my main thing and I haven't really ever verbalized it like you said it's not difficult it's not easy to say. And my my thing is, yes, it was wrong, it was bad, it was terrible, but I didn't know it. And I and and I guess I would say I can blame myself or fault myself for that not knowing it. But at the same time, I didn't know it because I wasn't taught to really. I wasn't taught critical thinking. Critic thinking, we critical thinking. Critical I wasn't taught thinking. legitimate right from Matter wrong. Matter of fact, you were taught. You were really taught that critical thinking was bad. Yeah, no, no everything was bad because that's something yeah. Bill and I would and tell me to do. you don't criticize. No, you there's don't actually... You don't look in, at your leaders and critique them. You don't look at your leaders and say, why did you do that? There's oh, actually a Why rule. can't we do that? There you was, know? and there may not be any longer, but I highly doubt it. I'm sure it's still there. The college where you went, the rule wasn't there when you were there. The college where I went, excuse me, what, there was a rule in the rule book where if you were caught in a... Part of it was about a staff member, but if you were caught saying something negative, it could be a staff member just negative in general, you could literally be kicked out for that. There are lesser things that you couldn't be kicked out for, and lesser things meaning uh, sex was a really big no-no, but having sex with your girlfriend, I've seen guys finagle staying in college after that, and that was like the top of the top. But saying something negative about a staff member could get you booted the same day. And I've, I, I had friends that got in trouble for that sort of thing, and that's what they got kicked out for, was being negative towards a staff member. Guess what? Those staff members were and are human, and there's a mm -hmm. few of them that I've talked to that have left that strain of that religion since, and I won't name names, but it's been, I've had amazing talks with them, and every every time, 10 times out of 10, apologetic talks where they tell me, mm -hmm. I was an asshole, and I'm really sorry, because, because they were, and because they were in a place where they could be that, and there was no repercussions for being that. So again, I'm off track, but all that to well, say, it's part of. It's, it's all part, part of, of why you don't, why you, you don't see what's wrong. Yeah, you, you, you know, can't see the and wrong. And here, here's here's one thing that a lot of us survivors say to each other, and what we say mm -hmm. to you know, because we'll we'll be talking about, well, what about so and so? You know the the. Joneses, they yeah. are such cool people. We mm -hmm. love them. They're so sweet. They were always so nice. Why are they still there? Yeah. Why? Well, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. You know, they're still drinking the Kool-Aid. And uh, Kool-Aid evidently is like, you know, it's, it's not the Kool-Aid, it's the arsenic they put in it. Yeah, but, that's, that's the problem. And so you can, uh, we like to watch, my husband and I like to watch those um, crime documentaries. Yeah. And if you, wa if you ever watch 
one that it, you're hooked. Yeah, yeah, but there there are many of them where the the spouse will poison the their partner huh. with arsenic, but they do it a little bit at a time and a little yeah. bit and a little bit yeah. and a little bit and a little bit, well, and, it, and it may take them a year to kill them. But yeah. you know, they're, but that's the genius what they're doing, of getting so, and that that applies specifically to someone that comes in that's saved and comes in from the outside world to be a part of this 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 religion. The other side of that is someone from birth who you can give straight arsenic right away and it'll kill them. And again, this is a, a, a maybe a poor, over-dramatized uh, illustration, but my point is, from birth, if you have someone that's in it from birth, you can cut off all those kind of sensory things to where they don't question, they don't mm -hmm. think about it. I recently saw an interview with Megan Phelps Roper, who is the granddaughter, and I'll probably reference her every podcast, but she's the granddaughter of the founder of the Westboro Baptist Church. And so many times the interviewer, Joe Rogan, would ask her, well, why was it that way? And she would, her only answer, not every time, but many times, her only answer would be, that's just the way it, it was. Yeah. And from anyone on the outside or anyone that possesses a shred of critical thinking, when they hear that, they automatically see a red flag and say, okay, you can't, that's not a phrase that, that you get to say. Right. You need to have a reason for how you believe or what you believe. Uh, and that it's, it's a huge red flag for someone to say, well, that's just the way it is. There needs to be an explanation. I believe you have four children. I have an almost four-year-old daughter. She's, she understands critical thinking to an extent, even in, her, in, in, in the smallness of uh, how far her brain has evolved at this point in her life. And she's full of whys. Why this? Yeah. Why that? And sometimes I have to tell her, well, because Daddy said. And that's not really, even that's not sufficient. But I love that. I think that's tremendous. I, I want her and I want anyone and everyone to be able to have the ability to say why over and over again. And as annoying as it might get, I made a post about this, or, or I think I texted to a friend of mine a while ago, like, you can't, I understand, you know, having children, it's, it's, it's easy to get angry at them for, for things that they do repetitiously, but for someone, for a child to continue to ask you why, I think that's a beautiful thing. Do I get angry sometimes that she won't stop? Yeah, for sure. But I think it's a beautiful thing for a child or even or anyone, um, you know, reasonably to continue to ask why and want to want to get into like why do you do that or and not in a negative or critical way, but just well, why? Like, why do you and do I know that? I find myself asking people why. You yeah. know, like um, I spend a lot of time. Listening to victims and encouraging them and pointing them in the direction, the best direction to find the best help mm -hmm. for whatever they're dealing with. And um, I don't have a problem sharing my story with somebody, yeah. you know. But um, recently started a job um, as a mentor. And um, I was told by my boss to not um, share my story personal, personal story yeah. with what we call our mentee yeah you know and i said you know i'm not questioning you yeah but, but why? why yeah why is that because i don't have a problem you know well, mm -hmm. the only thing i could think of was well you know they'll come back and use it on me right but That's you know what exactly if, if what i'm telling them mind, the truth what's there to use yeah i'm not scared i don't need to mm -hmm. be afraid of that yeah. but and and that's a whole other topic, but yeah. there are there are a few good reasons why, and one of them is you don't want that mentee to identify. You know, I forget all the right terms for sure. the thing, but um, but yeah, you know, and and so I find myself asking those kind of questions. Like sure. I asked my boss, why 
You know, yeah. like that's good. You know, why can't I do that? Why shouldn't it be done that way? Yeah. And um, because I don't have a master's in social work, <laughs> sometimes so I, I need to that, ask somebody why. Yeah, you know? I think to summarize, uh, this is a—it's just a question that I get so often. So I wanted to address it, especially with you here. Uh, I think to summarize. Um, the the idea of critical thinking is just not permitted. So you're not allowed to ask why. You are to an extent, but once it gets far enough, then you're just shut off and you're told. Well, yeah, once, no, the, once it's past their ability to explain. Right, because, you know, they which can is say only about you, well, two whys in. You know, yeah, yeah. They, they can say, well, you know, this is what the Word of God says about well, that, and this is why you should do it, because it's like this. For instance, when I was 13, my older sister came home from this Bible college, and she said, I was wearing my lovely little bell bottom. Yeah. You know, it was 1973, yeah. four. And um, she said, Kevin, did you know that it's an abomination to God for women to dress like wearing men? Pants, yeah. And wearing pants is what men, that's what men wear. And that's right. why, and well, you know, I my never goodness. really, you know, that's God. I'm not going to question God. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. my, my friend next door had just given me all her hand-me-downs, you oh, know. No. <laughs> I mean, a big box of them, and oh, I gave timing. them. I don't remember what I did with them, but she was really them. mad at me yeah. for not keeping them. So, you know, but that's where that, you know, because you, you're, my, mo my sister at that point mm -hmm. had become more like my mother yeah. because of what was going on in my mother's life. Mm -hmm. And so... My sister loves me. My sister's the one that's there when I need somebody to talk to. My sister's the one that that knows God. Mm -hmm. I want to be like her. Yeah. And she says, "This is an abomination to God." Well, you better not. It's going to say why. Yeah. You know why yeah. are you winning? It's going to say why. Right. You know? Just leave it at that. You know, or if I said to her why, she would have said because it's an abomination to God. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to be an abomination. Who wants to be an abomination to well, God? No you know? one. So, especially if it means that my big sister thinks that's what yeah, I should be exactly. doing. You know? Yeah. So, and, and then a lot of, a lot of, uh, that's the reality on the inside, mm -hmm. you know, somebody that you love and you're limited in who loves you because you really get cut off from those oh, you outside are, yeah. sources, Absolutely. you know, mm -hmm. you get cut off from the people who could give you the real answers to why, right. you know, you get cut off from the people, your friends, your family, you know, my, my, uh, mother's mother was a very wise woman and mm -hmm. very, had a very good at critical thinking yeah. and she said, more than once, I think that's a cult Absolutely. to my mother, you know, and I think that's not good. Anybody that has to yep. religiously be at church three times a week and do all this stuff, they're just, a lot of you know, A lot of requirements. So, so we were taught that, that my grandmother was yeah. not, yeah, well, you know, she, she, that wasn't she's wrong. good. You know, she's yeah. wrong, and you Stay shouldn't listen her. to her. Yeah, yeah. She, and she just wants to control you. <laughs> As you were right. being controlled. Yes, yes. So I think, just to summarize, what I, I want to come back to was, the bad that we were doing, and I wouldn't say it was, you know, we were doing anything um, illegal or criminal, but just, you know, leading we were, people, but our leaders leading, but leading people astray religiously. I wouldn't, I wouldn't shy away from saying that's something I was involved in. Um, that's, it's not knowledge. You're not taught. You're just, you're taught from a young age, or you're indoctrinated into understanding that that what you're doing, while it's, while others won't understand, is because you're doing the right. And 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 there's a. And I'm going to go off on another tangent. There's a quality there that's very, um, uh, very exciting, or something that you want. And the right word's not coming to me, but there's a quality to that that you want. You want to be different. 
You want to stand out. You want people to, to well, look at you and think. Well, you're trying to think that that's a good thing. Right. And, that's, and, but yeah. I, as a human, I, yeah. I don't want to be like every other human. I want someone to, when I'm gone, to remember me for something to distinguish me. And I, From even, everyone else. Yeah, right? even at this point in my life, like, I want people to see me as someone uh, different or special or, or uh, just something different. And there's, there's an ideology there that I think appeals to us as humans. Like, look... People are going to, and there was a big, I remember, um, especially in college, we would hear all these testimonies, oh, you know, on the job, people ask me, what's different about you? There's something different. Or is it stick up your ass for one, and for two, (laughs) you don't dress like a normal person, and you won't listen to normal music, and you're constantly spouting out stuff about the Bible. That's what's different. But here's what they, here's what those people are. And honestly, I have people that were attracted to that part of me that was different. Um... It's that fake persona that we wear. Yeah. On oh, this. And I have to say that I don't really, um, I don't feel like, and this is not to justify us by any means, but I don't feel like within our home, and, and in, in the way, in the way we re- reacted with the people that we served, uh-huh. you know, as my husband and I have been pastors for thirty some years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't feel like when. That we were ever really being false with them. We believed no. what we were saying. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, and I think that we lived that generally in our home. We lived that. You know. Oh, that was obvious. Um, and I think that. So to me, that's the that's the really the real kicker. There is that the people that I was following, who I thought were behaving, mm-hmm. you know, in the right way it everywhere really, and anywhere. They really weren't. They really weren't. Most especially were behind promoting, closed doors. Yes, they're yeah. promoting a religion that demands perfection of me while while the leaders are raping young girls. Yeah, and all kinds of debauchery, and, yeah. You know, whatever, whatever they you want. name it, they well, were but, doing it, but, so. you, but you think, you, you think of, again, going back to the power, you think of the power, uh, there's a quote from some movie, that's power money can't buy. That's very close to power that money can't buy because... Money can't buy you a god. Money can't buy you an ideology. Money can't buy you, in my opinion, money can't buy you those sorts of things. And whether this, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go as far at where I'm at in my life right now to say God is made up. But this version of God is made up. Is, is made up. Mm-hmm. Is very angry. And these these people in these positions of authority wield the power of that God that He wields, and because mm-hmm. of that. They're able to justify just about whatever they want to do to you, yeah. and 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 you go along with it because uh, you don't want to displease God, and it's not just. And, so if and, and, God said to you, you know, I really need money to get this building up over here, and so next month we're going to have one Sunday where everybody gives their whole paycheck from that week, and you can be a part of that. I remember those conversations. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, that's the kind of, uh, and, and, and if you're on the outside and somebody told you that, you would go, man, that guy's nuts. nuts. You know, who does yeah. he think he is? You know, but God. you're on the inside and you think that he represents God. Absolutely. And you think that in order to be right with God, you need to go along with his program, mm-hmm. this guy's program, because mm-hmm. that's really God's program. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah, those are the, those are the biggest feelings and restraints that hold you in why don't you leave because you're you want you have been you've had these blinders placed on you and, and no that one, is what you see no one can don't. talk to you 
your friends and family, you're you're taught, um, whether it's from a young age or from early on in your involvement with whatever. And I, we're speaking to our cult because that's our experience. But, but it's I've, true. I've watched. Yeah. I've watched a lot of. Uh, I've watched uh, watched a lot of whether it's documentaries or reading up on different cults that are very similar to ours. You're just you're taught like those people are wrong and you're right and that's the end of it. It makes for very boring arguments. And, and so it, you know this and this all ties into your eternal destiny. And I think yeah. that's another reason why we're oh, absolutely. so so prone to not question why and so prone to not. Uh, so, seek to leave. You know, so if you think just, you have the key to eternal life, yeah. I mean, why would you listen to again, anybody else? Yeah, so yeah. again, just to put into perspective, I don't know who all will see this. So, you know, you have every, I think every religion has their own own version of the afterlife. Excuse me, I don't think that that's true. It's taught within religions, whether you're Catholic, Muslim, Christian, there's different versions. So our version is well, a very much a was a very much a Christian version where you have heaven and you have hell. So you have to understand that heaven is quite literally paradise. There's there's streets that are made of gold. There's um, no pain. There's no there's pain, no, no suffering, no literally no crying ever. Which yeah. sounds fantastic. And then there's the up, opposite, which is hell, which is a concept that's widely known. But just to put it into perspective, um, there you know you are constantly tortured. You're constantly on fire. And all of I've heard it described and when, a lot of and different you ways. Hear this, when you hear this from the time you're yeah. old enough to comprehend fire, mm -hmm. you grow up with an innate fear yeah. of going to that place Absolutely. that burns forever. And the worm never dies. They, and, oh, yes. and you hear sermons you're on about how they're being crawling eaten by in flesh. and out of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like you, your, your body's decaying for the rest of eternity. Yeah. So again, there's all kinds of different versions. But to sum it up, like there's eternal bliss and there's eternal torment. And so even though you're taught, at least in, in were, was taught in our strain of Christianity or, or Baptists, that what you know, once you ask Christ into your heart, once you say that's it, you're going to heaven, you still want to make God happy and do everything you can. For some reason, even though you have your get-out-of-jail-free card, you, you're still on kind of on trial, so to speak. Because because in or that's where the multi-level market Yeah, is. absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because this pastor that you have, has mm -hmm. to have new members coming in. Yeah. You know, he's got to keep building his base yep. so that he can keep climbing. Um, I think one of my, this is really kind of off topic, but Sorry. one of my favorite books, and it came to my mind not long after I began my journey out, was Dr. Seuss's Yertle the Turtle. You know, the leaders of these institutions, this called religious institutions that are mm -hmm. really multi-level marketing, they... Uh, the more people they have underneath them, the higher they go on this yeah. pyramid, yeah. the closer to God they get, mm -hmm. and then the wealthier they get. Yeah. Well, look at them. No, the really, they do. They get, you know, Quite if literally. If you're the pastor of a mega church, you're doing pretty good. You're doing let me, fine. Let me tell you. Yep. So, so here's Yertle the turtle. He's the king of the pond. Mm -hmm. Well, he climbs up on a rock, and he realizes that he could... Elevated. King of everything yeah. that he sees, and then he realizes that if he's higher than that, he can be king of all more. So he calls all the turtles from the pond, and he makes them get underneath him. Yep. So he starts with a stack, and he gets he gets four or five turtles, and he looks around, and now he's the king of a cow and a house and a right. tree. And so, wow, I could really be king more if I had more turtles. So mm -hmm. he calls more turtles from the pond, and um, you know, eventually he's he's way up high. Yeah. So. That's the first part. 
And then it all comes crashing down. And the less down. comes crashing down yeah. because the little turtle on the bottom starts complaining and saying, we need a break, help us, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, this doesn't feel good down here. Yeah. That's what we weren't taught. That's terrific. We were yeah, taught that we didn't have the right to say it doesn't mm -hmm. feel good down here. So yeah. when my husband and I took a small church that didn't pay our bills, that, um, you know, we were literally scrounging for food. Mm -hmm. We were selling candy bars in order to pay um, for school. Pay for schooling. Um, you know, because not only were we not making much money, a whole bunch of what what we were making was going, going right back into it. Yeah. You know, so and that's exactly how multi-level marketing works. And you don't complain <laughs> because you think that if you just keep going and you just keep You'll going, get pretty there soon eventually. you're going to get up higher in mm -hmm. the stack, and you don't. And so we didn't. We just yeah. never got any higher in the yeah. stack. And then finally we became part of a ministry that looked like it was like, you know, oh, yeah. maybe halfway up the stack. Yeah, and that was going to be so cool because we'd never been part of a ministry that was that successful, mm -hmm. you know. And that was the worst ministry that we were ever a part yeah. of. So, as a matter of fact, that was probably the one that signaled our eventual departure. Exit, yeah. Um, so, so the little turtle on the bottom mm -hmm. named Mac finally burped. And when he did, oh, yeah. it, the whole stack started to collapse. Mm -hmm. And so we're the max. Yeah. We're burping. Yeah. <laughs> and that's part of helping those on the inside to ask why. Yeah. Because there are people that look, there are people on the inside that look at me, that look at, at my children, and they mm -hmm. say, why did she leave? People that I know. Oh, and and, and thing, in reality. to to um to say here is that we we were very dedicated we weren't um we weren't fringe we weren't you know we were we were we were a hundred percent dedicated we weren't people that were um you know maybe here one sunday and maybe not yeah, next or yeah. maybe we went to this conference but we didn't go to that oh, one, we went know? to everything we gave to everything we did all the things there's we, a youth conference there's a women's conference yeah, there's a men's conference school. you know mm -hmm. the whole nine yards and so you're expected to be at those meetings, and just to, like just like a good, successful multi-level marketing and company. And to buy all the books. To buy all the books, to buy the tapes, to get the sermons every week. Tell me the last time you went to a Tony Robbins or a It Works or something like that, and you weren't asked to buy some kind oh, of you've merchandise. Buy, yeah, you've got to own yeah. the product. If you yeah. don't own the product, where's the proof? Yeah, you know, so. exactly. Yeah, it's it is definitely. It is funny. I just I just literally made that connection. Yeah. I've heard the MLM bit before, which yeah. makes sense, but realizing there was always music to buy, and I always bought the music, and there was always books to buy. And it had and, to come and, from them. You yeah, were you yeah, were buying stuff produced by this cult. And you weren't allowed. Remember to these read even stuff. even more recent multi-level marketing um, uh, entities have understood like, look, people will buy your products, but just don't make them pay or make them pay a crazy amount to come to your to your events. We always paid. Yeah. Oh, Generally yeah. in excess yeah. of $100 per person, we would raise money. Yeah. I remember raising as for myself. And then when I was a youth pastor for my teenagers doing car washes car and washes. different things to raise money just so they could afford to go to these events events. and to stay in either the housing that uh, was provided on campus at the college, mm -hmm. which cost us, or to stay at a hotel. And I slept on the floor many nights because that's what you did. So yeah. I, I've been remembering this now. Like not only did you pay for the event, you paid for their merchandise as well. Yeah. Just, just like any other multi-level marketing, marketing scheme. I, I but have. but what they have is they have the the added um, the added pressure and the added obligation of tying God in with all that and tying your eternity in with it and mm -hmm. tying 
Um, yeah. U.S. It's it, it, it your your identity. Look, some people drive the pink cars and their identity is wrapped up in Mary Kay, and that's great. That means they're doing great, and I'm happy for them. They're hustling. They're working hard. Fantastic. But when you wrap your entire identity up into a religion, because that happens real often, then then there's there isn't any getting out. And when you do get out, the other thing to mention, the two things that I'm looking at right now are, you don't you don't understand critical thinking right from wrong, and you don't ask why. And those are the two reasons why people stay in. The other one is, especially if you're in it from birth, that's your circle. That's it's all your, your friends. That's your and whole world. That's yeah. all of your family. But it's not really all of your family. It's all your family that are inside that cult. Because the other ones, while you may not have cut them off or you may not have, you know, severed ties completely with them, you're not on a basis where you can call them and say, hey, I need a place to stay for the next three years so I can get my life together. You're not in that kind of place. A night or two, maybe. But you're not in the kind of place where you can leave everything and suddenly depend on them for everything. Like you, I don't know if I should say should, but like many well, of us do with to. family. Yeah, almost, when, yeah. When, when, they're, when you have that need, you're you're not allowed to have that. So the other thing to remember is when you're, you're, in, go? When you're yeah. inside of this and, and, and then you're outside like me and you and many others are, and someone says, well, why did you stay or, you know, what, what's, why weren't you, you know, why, why did you stay for so long if it was so bad? You stay for so long because you don't have anyone to help you outside. You just don't because you've been taught that these other people are wrong and whether you're treating them and tell, treating them like they're wrong and telling them they're wrong, whether you're doing that or not, it's in your head, it's in your head yeah. and, and people, people are intuitive. Everyone's intuitive at a certain level. I'm not saying everyone's always extremely intuitive, but if you, here's the thing that, that, that I never realized until I was out. I would work with people that would drink and would smoke and would do copious amounts of cocaine and, and, go, and do all these things that are just awful and wicked to me inside of that culture that I was raised in. And I would tell them, oh no, like I'm, you know, like I, I'm a Christian and I love Jesus, but like I'm very accepting of other people and, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I, I don't drink. I, God forbid I drink anything like this. Like I don't drink, but like I'm very accepting of your drinking and your cigarette smoke doesn't bother me. But guess what? I would promise you right now, and we could go back and ask them, I would promise you right now, 99% of them did not believe that. There's no way they believed that. That we said it. We that, said it. We would say it, it, but it wasn't believed. And now my daughter is awake. So, <laughs> we hey. might change the subject matter. We might sign off. Hi, hey, precious cuddles. mamas. Not for me. <laughs> Do you have the good sleeps? Yeah. Are you still tired? No. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up uh, for the three or four hundred of you that listen. <laughs> we're grateful. You know, uh, if there's one. You know, I, yeah. I've come because our because our situation was so based on numbers. Mm -hmm. They want many, many more, 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 you know. Yep. If I can help one person. Yep. If, if you have one um, colleague, if you have one friend that's still back there that's looking for someone that'll just say, hey, you know, it's, it's going to okay. be okay. Yeah. You can get out. Mm -hmm. There is life on the other side of that wall. It looks they painted it black, they painted it dark, they painted it ugly. It's not, is ugliness out here? Yeah. Sure, it's hey, everywhere. It's, it's, there's a lot more, God's world is beautiful, and we were told it was not. Mm -hmm. And 
just reach out, just call, just yep. send send somebody on the outside of a message, you know, a text. Just say, hey, I, I just want it out. I just yep. want out. Um, help is there. I and promise I, you, help is there, ready and waiting. Just and I, reach out. And I feel like a lot of people aren't necessarily at the place where they would say, I want out. But you may be at a place where you're thinking about it. Not necessarily getting out, but you're you're... You're approaching, you're approaching critical thinking, and you're thinking in ways that you were taught never to think. If that's where you're at, and you want to talk to someone, uh, you know, leave a comment, say something. Most of you that are watching this, um, you know who I am personally. Reach out to me, reach out to my mother, um, and we we love that. We're we're not gonna jump in and tell you, oh, you gotta do this and gotta do that, because that's where we come from, and we know better than that. But we are we are here to help, and we'd love to help you. So thank you very much for watching. Uh, we will catch you on the next episode of Not Your Mother's Podcast.